Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health. Bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants. Nutrition. Exercise. My yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale. Mental health and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital. Empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer today, Ms. Shaley Henning. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows in the United States. 293 affiliates strong. Thanks to all of you in our listening audience. Our newest affiliate, KDEX FM in Dexter, Missouri, 102.3. Very happy to have them on board. I want to thank those folks down there for putting us on the air. Uh, we're Getting quite a presence down in southeast Missouri, so it's really nice. KDEX FM 102.3. We're on there Saturdays at 1 o'clock. All right, if you want to follow me on Facebook, you can do that. The Facebook page is America's Healthcare Advocate. That's easy to remember. A lot of information up there. Uh, shows are posted. Videos are up there. There's a lot of information on the on that Facebook page. If you want to interact, you can go up and do that. All of the shows that we do, I say this every week, are on podcast platforms, Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Apple uh, Podcasts. So they're posted on the podcast platforms. You hear something that you want to tell somebody about or go back and listen to it again. Uh, I got an email from somebody the other day of a show we did a year and a half ago um, on bioidentical hormone treatment from a lady in Washington. So again, if we can help you, we're happy to do it. But all the shows are posted up on the podcast platforms. You can also reach out to me online at americashealthcareadvocate.com. That is the website. Um, if you send me an email from the website, I'll get it. I get a lot of emails. I answer every one of them. It may take me a day or two, but I will get to it. So once again, the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you are looking for health insurance and you are chronologically challenged like I am and you're in need of Medicare or individual health insurance, the lovely Joyce Thompson at RPS Benefits by Design is happy to help you. She can help you anywhere in the country. The phone number is 877-385-2224, 877-385-2224. And if you're looking for employer-sponsored health care, Nate Tate is an expert. He is also happy to help you at that same phone number, 877-385-2224. All right, we've got a very special show today. Very fortunate to have joining us today, Dr. Doris Molina Henry from the University of Southern California, otherwise known as USC uh, School of Medicine. Welcome, doctor. Thank you, Carrie. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and the show today is going to be about Alzheimer's. Now, we have done shows on this in the past. It's been a while, okay, since we've done one of these, but we're very fortunate to get some time with the doctor who's joining us from Los Angeles, California, from the USC campus today, and we're going to go into a, a discussion about Alzheimer's. We're going to talk about the minority communities and what the impact is there and how all of this kind of comes together and a study that they are doing that I think you're going to be interested to learn about and maybe something you may even want to get involved in. But let me tell you a little bit about the doctor. Dr. Dr. Doris Molina Henry is a PhD. She's an assistant professor of research neurology at the University of Southern California's Keck School of Medicine. She is also 
She is also part of a scientific leadership and recruitment section of USC's Alzheimer's Therapeutic Research Institute and is deeply involved in recruitment activities of the AHEAD study. Dr. Molina completed a PhD in Department of Neurobiology and Autonomy at Wake Forest University Health Sciences. Welcome, doctor. You obviously know this topic pretty well. Yes, thank you, Carrie. Yes, I'm excited to talk to your audience today about this. Well, let's just start out by, you know, we've got 5.7 million Americans. This really hits those of us, as I say, that are chronologically challenged a lot harder than it does younger people. So let's just start out with a little bit of kind of a definition of Alzheimer's and then, and, and, and how it works through that demographic of 65 plus. Doctor? Sure. So Alzheimer's disease is a type of dementia. And when we think of dementia, we think of conditions of the brain that progressively affect your ability to function. With Alzheimer's disease, we know that it affects the memory and thinking of the individual, and it can even affect the individual's behavior. The symptoms eventually grow to become more and more severe with the time, with time and they become severe enough that they interfere with everyday tasks. Um, we know that over 5.5 million Americans ages 65 and older are currently living with this disease, and that has huge implications not just for the individual but their caregivers and their loved ones. And what's even scarier is that that number is expected to triple within the next three decades. Um, individuals that are most at risk at this time are those populations you pointed out. We know that blacks and Hispanics um, are even at higher risk of developing the disease than white adults. Uh, Hispanics are one and a half times uh, at, at risk, and uh, black adults are two times at as much risk. Um, and so something really needs to be done and fast. Yeah, it, it does. And, and you, you said something, and, and my producer looked over me and her eyes were popping uh, when you said this is expected to triple in the last decade. Go in the into, next three decades. Yeah, okay, Sorry. next three decades. It's okay. Next three yeah. decades. Explain that, though, because that's a scary number, doctor. So let's talk Absolutely. about that, okay? Yes. And so studies have been done to project and determine how, how much this population will grow. So the individuals uh, that now have Alzheimer's are about five and a half million, which is still quite a, a large number. But as the population grows, and as more individuals move into the 65 and older population, we anticipate that that number is also going to grow. And it's, it's growing at an astronomical rate to, to tripling within three decades. It's, it's, it's really concerning. What do you just you know? What do you attribute that to? Are there you know? It, it almost sounds like a pandemic, but it's not a pandemic because it's obviously not big enough in the population. But what do you what do you attribute that to? This this rapid growth that we're going to see, especially when we've got all this awareness of what Alzheimer's is, doctor. Uh, part of it is we we have um, we're we're developing treatments and it's exciting to see that we are developing those treatments, but a lot of it has to do with we don't have um, cures for this disease. This is a disease that continues to happen. We we have. Um, uh, a lot of comorbidities that may be associated with individuals being more at more individuals at risk developing dementia, more individuals being tested and determined to develop dementia. So that there are a number of factors that can contribute to that growing number, but a lot of it has to do with we will have more individuals in that 65 and older range. We will have more individuals that have been at risk earlier in their life um, and very little done. 
um, to prevent that from happening. You know, that's very interesting. Um, talk a little bit about, if you could, about the comorbidities, because I think that's, that's something that, you know, a lot of that we have control over. Um, lack of exercise, diet, you know, those kinds of things, mental stimulation. Can you talk a little bit about that before we go to break here? We've got about two minutes left. Okay, so sure. And what we find is that, you know, there's a lot of recommendations, exercising, maintaining a healthier lifestyle, your eating, um, healthy eating, eating for your brain. Um, we, there are a number of things that can help support your brain health, managing your stress, sleeping. Um, and so those are typically the things that we, we talk about. But another important thing to consider is the involvement in trials and involvement in Alzheimer's disease research. I think typically we talk about lifestyle interventions to prevent risk, but there are exciting new opportunities to get involved in research that may potentially turn into treatments that can effectively treat people and even prevent them from having Alzheimer's disease like we, we aim to do with the AHEAD study. And, you know, that, and one of the takeaways from this broadcast today that we want to make sure people understand is the necessity of people to get involved uh, in these trials because, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're looking for people that I assume that, you know, are, that don't have uh, uh, any dementia or Alzheimer's, people in early stages, and then I'm assuming people that are a little further along in advanced stages. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And so what's exciting about the study um, is that it aims to help prevent Alzheimer's disease. It's actually the first clinical trial to enroll participants uh, 55 years young, um, and it uses a tailored dose level of an investigational treatment. And the reason why we aim to do that and we work with this uh, age range is because we know that the, the, the changes in the brain that lead to the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease begin 20 years before those symptoms manifest. Yeah, you know, it's and funny. So, I, yeah, I yeah. saw that in the show notes, and I was going to ask you about that. So when we come back from the break, which we'll do here shortly, um, I want to get into that. I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about this 55 years young issue and how your trial is very different from the standpoint of getting people in there uh, at a much younger age than a lot of the other trials have done in the past. By the way, if you want information on this, the phone number 1-800-243-2370. This is a national trial. If you want to get involved, 1-800-243-2370. Or the website is aheadstudy, aheadstudy.org. We come back from the break. We're going to get into more of this. We're going to talk a little more about those comorbidities. I'm going to find out what eating for your brain is like. That sounds like that's going to be interesting. It's probably not going to be eating a Five Guys hamburger, though. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HI Radio Network. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Our producer, the always perfect Miss Shaley Henning, I'm your host, Carrie Hall. Joining me today, visa phone from San Diego, California. She's actually not in USC. She's in San Diego. Is Dr. Melina Henry um, from the USC School of Medicine. And uh, we are talking about Alzheimer's and how it affects different communities, minority communities, as well as other communities. 
communities. We're talking about age factors and all these things. There is a study that they're doing. There is a trial. She's going to talk about that trial. We get to the next segment after this. I'm going to ask her to go into the trial in detail. But this is an opportunity to get involved and to learn if you are at risk. You heard her talking about being at risk, finding out if you're at risk 20 years before you, you at age 55, for instance, 20, before you're, you, you're looking 10 years before you're even to age 65. So there's an opportunity there. If you are thinking this is something you might want to do, the phone number 1-800-243-2370, 1-800-243-2370, or the website aheadstudy.org, aheadstudy.org. All right, doctor, let's go back to this for a minute, the, this eating for your brain. I have to ask you, um, as I said going out, I doubt if it means eating Five Guys hamburgers, but what, what exactly are we talking about when we say eating for the brain? Let me talk a little bit about this a little bit more broadly, but when we talk about eating for your brain, we are talking about eating for your body. And what, what has happened is what we notice is that a lot of individuals that uh, have shown cardiovascular risk factors and have shown um, to have diabetes, which are typically very much related to diet. It's the first thing a doctor will tell you, right, is to modify your diet if you have high blood pressure, right. um, is to modify your diet if you have diabetes. Those, typic- those individuals typically go on to develop, not all of them, but some of them are more at risk to develop Alzheimer's disease. So that maintaining these other aspects of your health, like your nutrition, um, is, is critical to protecting your brain in the long run. So when we're eating for our brain, we're eating to maintain overall health, and ultimately that is going to protect your brain. So eating right, nutritious, heart-healthy diet, um, lots of fruits, lots of vegetables is just your standard recommendations. You need to eat that kale, people. I'm telling you, it makes all the difference. You need that kale. <laughs> <laughs> My wife loves that stuff. I have a hard time. I eat it, but I'm not crazy you can't about it. kale. Spinach is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spinach is the thing. I have no problem with that. So let's talk about sleeping a little bit because that yeah. is a problem for a lot of seasoned citizens. It's not just for those of us that are, that, that are you know, older. But a lot of people have trouble with this. How does that contribute to a comorbidity, if you will, uh, toward Alzheimer's? Yeah, so it's, an, it's another one. Your brain requires the rest, and that comes through your periods of sleep. Um, and I'm not necessarily a lifestyle interventionist or uh, a researcher in the lifestyles. I did at one point, but um, there are a lot of fantastic people doing research in that area. But we do know that individuals that do not get that amount of sleep begin to experience deficits in, in their normal everyday function. Well, over the long run, that is also going to affect um, their, 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 fun- their brain function and their brain's ability to manage things and, and is conducive, um, it seems to be a risk factor also for Alzheimer's disease. All right. So you're looking for people 55 to 80. This is, you know, as I said, we have done broadcasts on this topic a number of years ago. We worked with Global Alzheimer's Foundation. They didn't start their studies until 60, 65. Why did you guys move it back to age 55? And what's the significance of that, doctor? Yes, the significance of that is that if we're aiming to prevent, to help prevent Alzheimer's disease, what typically happens is a lot of treatments, and these are necessary treatments, are, are 
designed, developed to treat Alzheimer's disease once we can determine that Alzheimer's disease is present, and that comes with the presentation of symptoms. So the person begins to experience the changes in their memory and their thinking and their behavior, and that's what takes them to the doctor, and we need treatments for that stage of the disease. But when you're looking at a person 55 years young, then we're looking at an individual who has not yet develop this, the, the typical symptoms, but maybe an individual that is at high risk and is already experiencing those changes that are happening inside the brain that haven't manifested as symptoms yet, but are going to lead to those symptoms okay. in, in turn. So you also said that the purpose of the study, and as I said, next segment we're going to get into the study in detail and talk about what you know what, how it works, and and what you're looking to do here. But what what is the when you say it, your focus is on prevention? That's very different than anything else I've heard. Talk about that a little bit. Yes. So we know that once Alzheimer's disease, once the individual begins to show signs and symptoms, our goal then is to delay the progression of the disease, or or potentially stop it. But if we can prevent it. This, this, this has huge implications for the, the individual in that they may never have to experience the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. They may not have to deal with the memory loss. They may not have to deal with, the, with all the other aspects of the disease that affect them and affect their caregivers and their families. Yeah, and that is, that's another topic, too, and we're going to go to break here in about three minutes. But this, and, I, and we've talked about this a lot in previous broadcasts, this has an enormous impact on caregivers. If you are the caregiver, if, you know, if, you're, if the male gets this um, and, and the wife is the caregiver, the problems that it creates health-wise for the caregivers. Talk a little bit about that, doctor, before we go to break. Absolutely. I mean, when you talk to individuals who are caregivers, you know that their, their life is in turn focused strictly on the individual who's now very dependent on that caregiver, very dependent on family members. When we're talking about losing your memory, your ability to think, and the behavior, we're talking about an individual that probably needs to be continually supported and watched, and there are changes happening on a regular, on a regular basis. And so um, that, that, the implications for the caregiver then are the, the, the unavailability to take care of themselves, to take care of their own health, their health is, begins to, to be affected. Um, their stress levels are higher. They're um, just, the, it's conducive to depression. So there's a number of ramifications, a number of things that can happen as a result of being a caregiver so that when the individual is taking care of themselves or we find a way, if we find a way to prevent a disease like Alzheimer's disease, we're, we're, it's going to have huge implications for not just the individual but also their, their, their loved ones. Yeah, you know, it brings to mind a story that I got recently from a friend of mine who uh, called me in a panic because his mother, who ha- who now we all know has Alzheimer's and dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, was driving her car, got lost, couldn't get home, was gone for two hours. He was able to finally find her. She was like 100 miles away from home. And he wow. had, yeah, well, they took the car keys away, I can tell you that. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, and that's the kind of thing that happens, you know, and the family was in denial. Well, they're not in denial now because this is the kind of thing that happens. And this is why these studies are so important, people. This is why it's important because it, it, until they get the number of people in these studies, they can't 
determine what the issues are. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about all of this, the amyloid plaque, how all of this fits into this program, and what the AHEAD study does. If you are interested in this, intrigued by it, maybe it's something you think you want to get involved in, 1-800-243-2370, 1-800-243-2370, or the website, aheadstudy.org, aheadstudy.org. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. The doctor is in the house. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. We've got more. Stay tuned. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HI Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. All these shows, as I told you earlier in the broadcast, are posted on all the podcast platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. We're, we're, you know, we're, on, we're on Apple Play. We're on a, a whole host of them, iTunes, TuneIn, et cetera. So you're hearing this today. This is pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? And Dr. Molina really knows what she's talking about here, and we're getting a lot of information out. If you want to tell somebody about this, maybe somebody at your church, maybe it's a relative, whatever the case may be, uh, th- there's an opportunity to go back up to that podcast platform and listen to the show or tell them to listen to the show, uh, and they can certainly uh, learn about this study and how it might help them. Uh, especially to identify if they are someone who is at risk for this. My producer, Ms. Shaley Henning, I'm your host, Carrie Hall. The phone number, if you want to call the AHEAD study and find out more about this, 1-800-243-2370, 1-800-243-2370, or aheadstudy.org. You want to go up and just look at it? Go up on the website and look at it. It's pretty interesting. Aheadstudy.org is the website. All right, let's 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 first of all define the study, Doctor, the AHEAD study, and what what you're doing here, and then let's talk about how people get involved, and we'll get into some other topics, Doctor. Sure, Carrie. So AHEAD is a study which is funded by the NIH or National Institutes of Health and ASI, and it aims to help prevent Alzheimer's disease. It's actually the first clinical trial to enroll participants as young as 55 years old using a tailored dose level of an investigational treatment. Um, And so we enroll participants as young, as I mentioned, because we know that changes in the brain of people with Alzheimer's disease can begin up to 20 years before they develop symptoms or before those symptoms are are apparent. The AHEAD study tests whether intervening ahead of those symptoms can prevent future memory loss and dementia. So, and, and, and that's what you're trying to do here. This, and again, I want to reiterate this, folks, because this is the first time I've had anybody in all the years we've been doing this. I've been on the air 16 years now, and we've done a lot of shows. Nobody has talked about prevention. Everybody has talked about after you get it, uh, you know, whether, you know, taking a medication or, or going through stimulus programs or getting involved in a program like KU, all these different things they can do to try to, to, to mitigate it. And, and this is the first time I've heard anybody talk about prevention. So that's amazing, doctor, that your focus is to prevent this from happening, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we believe it's a critical time point and that we need to also address Alzheimer's disease prior to, um, rather than just try and treat it um, while it's occurred or while it's occurring once the person is in that progression. 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you think about it, we have a habit of doing this in this country. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we want to treat – we don't try to stop it. We treat it after it starts. I don't care what it is, whether it's diabetes or heart disease or can't, whatever the case may be. We've got a bad habit of doing that. And then we develop all these drugs and, and all these treatment protocols, but they're after the fact. And, uh, you know, the old adage, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, there's a lot of truth in that. And there's a lot of truth in that when it comes to this particular disease, right? Absolutely. And one thing I want to highlight, and I like the way in which you put this, is the other thing to know about Alzheimer's is that we can't undo what Alzheimer's does. So once those symptoms are present, it's, there's almost a commitment uh, for the disease progression, if you would. It's almost uh, these are irreversible changes is what we typically call them. And so addressing the changes before they happen or as they're happening, before they, they lead to symptoms, becomes even more important. So talk about because you know I, I know people are out there listening to this. Okay, there is a fear factor for getting involved in these kinds of trials. I mean, you know, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. What are they going to do? What's it going to be like? Talk a little bit about that and why people should not be afraid of this. That this is an opportunity to help themselves, not only help themselves, but obviously, uh, you know, a lot of other people with the information that's going to come out of this study. That's uh, going to make a difference, doctor. So first, when we think about the study, we know it's a clinical trial. And what people don't often realize is that every medication that's out on the market today that you use for your blood pressure, for your diabetes, for your headache, has been vetted through a process. Um, And that's the clinical trial process. It is the process that allows us to approve medications and put them out on the market so a, a provider can prescribe them. And so participating in trials is important from that perspective because we can't get medications out there to the people that need them the most. So when we deal with fear, we understand that there's fear of, of, of course, there, and these have been published, uh, the published studies related to um, uh, being a guinea pig or being tested or the side effects. But the important thing to know about a clinical trial or this type of study is that there's an important and very strong commitment to, the, the, to a controlled environment, that we're testing a medication to ensure that it is safe and that it is effective for the individuals before it becomes accessible to individuals. So this is probably the, the best time to be engaged with a medication because you're constantly monitored. Somebody is looking to see any potential changes in, in how you respond to a medication down the road. And so it, that's where I, I, I wish to to convey that message that rather than feeling that you're being experimented on, you're actually in a controlled environment to make sure that this works and that it's safe and that it's effective for you and for the individuals out there. What phase of the four phases of the trial are you in now, doctor, with this, with this medication? This is a phase three trial. Wow. You're down to phase three now. That's, uh, that's pretty remarkable. You're, you're, you're 75% of the way down the road. That's really uh, quite remarkable uh, that, you're, that you are that far. Um, you know, what, can you talk at all about what people are experiencing if they, if they are, let's say they're 60 years old and they're starting to you know, show some signs of this? What, what kind of uh, results are you seeing from this in the trial at this point? So maybe it's worth talking about the risk factors that we're looking for okay. because we're looking at individuals that, are, that don't have symptoms yet, right? So they are not diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and they're relatively healthy. So they may or may not have 
subjective concerns. They may sense that something's off, but there may not necessarily be a diagnosis that there's anything wrong at this time. So we're looking for individuals that meet certain risk factors. One is that you have a family history of, history of Alzheimer's disease. The other one is that you meet the age group. So you're 55, between 55 and 80, um, and that's a requirement to participate. Um, that you may have those concerns related to your, your brain function, to your memory, your thinking skills at this time is also a potential um, opportunity to engage with this study. How, and one, I, ahead, I think go, go one ahead. of the things uh, that I, I want to emphasize, and I appreciate you keep reminding folks of what the website is and the phone number, is that the first step to take and be informed and find out whether this is a good fit for you is go to our website and dig through the things that we've put, put there. It gives you a broad overview, and it's a first step of um, familiarizing yourself with the process and what, what, what will happen um, once you, you complete a very simple set of questions. Um, letting you know, letting us know whether you're pre-eligible. Yeah, it, it, this makes a lot of sense. I want to ask you to go back to one thing, though. How important is the family history factory? If you factor, if you know your mother had this, or your father had it, or there's a history of it with your mom, your aunt, your uncle, how important is that family history piece? Because that part is undeniable. If it, if it's there, it's there, and you know it's there. Talk about that a little bit, doctor. There's a strong, um, there's strong evidence that Alzheimer's disease runs in families. So that if you have a family history of known Alzheimer's disease, it is very possible that you or a sibling, um, let's say if a parent had it or a sibling had it, it is very possible for you to develop it or your children to develop it. Um, so I think that that's that that points to how important it is to take that into account for some individuals, and I'll say this for myself, we may not know the history because we had relatives that didn't live long enough to have um, experienced uh, the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. And so in, in those cases, it's a little bit hard to know or to tell, but there may be some indication of stories that have been told, um, whether that, that a relative may have started to lose their memory or they constantly forgot who I was. And people typically talk about it from that perspective and not from a diagnosis perspective. So those are a couple of things to look out for um, when, we're, when we're considering am I at risk by virtue of having a family member who, who had the disease. Yeah, and then, you know, also, if, if you know you're starting to experience some of these things, if you know you're starting to see some of these issues, and, you know, we have a real habit of, it's not that bad, I'm not going to worry about it today. Right. I can, I can, men are the worst at this, okay? Absolutely the worst, okay? Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not going to go get that PSA cancer screen. I don't, I'm, I don't really need that. And then you find out, you know, a year later that you're, that you're pre-cancer or you have cancer type of thing. So the point the doctor's making is, if you think you may have issues with this, go to the website, look at the information, make a decision after what you see they've got up there. Is this something I would like to do? Because maybe it could help me. Maybe it could make a big difference in my life. If you want to do that, the website is ahead, ahead. I keep saying ahead so you'll know a ahead.study.org. Ahead.study.org is the website. You can also call them if you want to. 1-800-243-2370. 1-800-243-2370. Um, they are looking for people 55 years and older uh, that are interested in getting in the study. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break with the last segment of the show. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting coast to coast across the USA.
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HI Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Shows are on all the podcast platforms. You want to tell somebody about this, go up to the podcast platforms. Uh, it's posted on all of them. Shaylee Henning is our producer. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. Joining me today from San Diego, California, Dr. Melina Henry from the USC School of Medicine in Los Angeles, California. She is an expert um, uh, in the, on the subject of Alzheimer's. That is what we've been talking about all during the entire broadcast today. And th- this trial that they are doing called the AHEAD study, you can go to the website, aheadstudy.org, aheadstudy.org. You can learn all the information up there and see if this is a fit for you. This is Maybe you've got this history in your family and you're scared to death of it. I, I know a lot of people are. This is a chance to learn something and, and something you can individually do about that can help you. The phone number, 1-800-243-2370, 1-800-243-2370, um, if you want to give somebody a call and chat with them about this. All right, so, Doctor, let's talk quickly about the amyloid plaque, and then you're really targeting in this study is, you know, you're asking for a broad group of population, but you need African-American, Hispanic, Asian, and Native American people to be involved in these studies. And so to all of our listening audience out there across the country, let's talk a little bit about that and then the amyloid plaque issue to start with. Doctor? Sure. So AHEAD is very committed to ensuring that there is diverse participation in this trial. And the reason why that is important for this trial and for any trial um, in the past or moving forward is that it, it's, it's one of the unique ways in which we can help reduce historical health disparities. Uh, and increasing representation in clinical trials while we include individuals who are particularly at higher risk for diseases like Alzheimer's disease. Uh, it helps us do that. Um, if, if these individuals are not typically included, we don't quite understand how the drug or the treatment that eventually, if, if it eventually is approved, um, that this, how this investigational treatment actually works in these different populations. By virtue of the differences in lifestyle, in life exposure, in types of stress, and in history. And so it's really important to ensure that we have participation from communities, including black communities, Hispanic communities, Asian communities, Native American people as well. Yeah, and you've got, right now you're looking at less than 18% of the people participating are in those communities. So you've got, you know, 78% of the people Excuse me, seventy-two percent of the people uh, that 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 are um, white Americans participating, but you've got this huge disparity um, in the minority community, and the risks in the minority community are higher, are they not? Yes. Absolutely. And so we know that for blacks, the risk is two times as high as whites. In Hispanics, is one and a half times as high. Um, and in Asian and Native people, it's a little bit hard to gauge because there's been such underrepresentation in their, uh, uh, of those communities in research that it's, it's unclear how much more uh, or how much less at risk they are, where they gauge in terms of risk. Yeah. And I'll say that you mentioned 18 percent, and that's, that's correct for Alzheimer's disease research in general. But when we get into trials, that number is even smaller. Is it really? So, yeah. Well, and that, that's a real problem because what's winding, what happens then is a lot of times these folks, they, they don't even recognize the issue until they're much further along in the progression of the disease, and then it becomes very difficult to manage it. Yes? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And so typically we find that in a lot of this, these communities it's, there's distrust of the medical institution, for instance, uh, and that's given the historical and, and um, just historical events and historical abuses of power. And we, we don't necessarily we, – we acknowledge that that's the case. And because of that, it's possible that in some cases people wait and they wait too late. And so we don't see that diagnosis until until later. And by that time, it's just individuals are far along to where typically prevention is not necessarily the approach. Uh, so knowing that those numbers are higher really is is a, a wake up call. I hope for individuals who who suspect that they might be at risk or might uh, uh, feel that this could be a fit for them um, to to explore this as an opportunity for for protecting their brain health maybe in the future, but also. Um, for, for their communities, for their families, um, who might eventually be affected by the disease. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about that. We'll get ready to wrap up here a little bit. This is about more. This is not, you know, this is about more than, uh, it's not totally altruistic, but having said that, it is about if you're if you're if you're living you know in a community of American Indians or you're living in, in an African American community or you're in you're in Irvine California that's one of the highest rates of of Asian Americans in the country. This is your community we're talking to, right? That's that's what we're that's trying exactly to do here. Right. We're trying to connect with you and say, hey, this is not this is about you, but it's also about all the other people in your community, right? That's exactly right. Um, unless we have a clear understanding of how that treatment is going to impact that community, we don't know if it will have any benefit. And so it's really, really important to make sure that we engage because it's, it's, it's in part altruism, it's in part for ourselves, but it, it's really the way forward and the way to get ahead of Alzheimer's. Yeah, and it, it's, about, it's about two pieces of that, and you just said it, okay? It's about you as an individual, but it's also about you as a member of your own community. Um, and a lot of these communities are very close-knit. Um, and so obviously, it, you know, think about it. If, if, if one person or two people start in this, the next thing you know, you, you know, you've got three, four, five, six, maybe 10 people involved in the, in the program, right, doctor? That's exactly right. Yeah, and, th- and that's the part that we're trying to get across. Listen, I really appreciate you doing this, Dr. Henry. You've been wonderful on the air today, and I think this has been very helpful and very educational to our audience. Thank you, and I want to bring you back. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk more about where you all are at with this thing and, and, and how it's progressing. Look, I, I do these shows nationally for a reason. I'm trying to educate people in this audience to make you aware of these issues. I'm also trying to give you information about how you can participate. And in this case, this is about prevention. This is the first time we've ever done anything like this. If you want to get involved in this, call 1-800-243-2370, 1-800-243-2370, or go to their website. Doctor said there's a ton of information up there. I've been up there. There is. You can determine for yourself. It's aheadstudy.org, aheadstudy.org. Uh, I think this is something well worthwhile looking into. It could affect you and help you individually, and it can also affect your community. So, you know, again, if you're Hispanic, if you're American Indian, you're listening to us in Arizona, you're listening to us in New Mexico, Washington State, Florida, wherever you're listening to this, if this is something that's applicable, I urge you to take a moment and take a look at it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'll leave you with this thought from Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Americans must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will surely perish together is fools. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. Baby.